This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is a premier male grooming company with the star Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, and we want to be able to share the savings with you, our awesome listeners. So you can use the promo code BLUECHIP, all one word, to get 20% off your next order. Don't let your balls down. Get the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hernition. I'm joined uh, today not by Devin Jackson. He got caught up with work. I am joined by Blue Chip Scouting, NBC Sports, and there's like two or three more uh, places that you work. It's not even the first time he's been on during this college football season. It's Tyler Fornis. Tyler, my man, how are you? I don't know how to feel today, Mike, because... My head coach just got fired after making three straight New Year's Six Bowls. Oh, yeah, and... more Florida talk for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, I know that's the your favorite thing in the whole world, but it's it's a really weird feeling to be excited about that coach leaving, and but it needed it, and, but the rest of this college football season, it just feels like it's reincarnated 2007, and I was doing some research on 2007 earlier today, and it just keeps holding more and more true. So it's really it's really exciting, and we're at the very end, and we still have no idea what the hell the playoffs going to look like. Oh, no, not at all. Um, and you know what? I figured the perfect person to bring on for a short, you know, you know, uh, Tuesday morning podcast is Forno, because Forno and I could can chat college football all night long and have no inclination to talk about the NFL, and that's what the Tuesday podcasts have become: no inclination to talk about the NFL. Bad this year. There are no good teams. There <laughs> are only like two bad teams, and even they can win on a given day. Um, or everybody's not lose average. In the Lions' case, uh, that well, the weird thing is that's the goal of the NFL for everybody to be average. That's why the salary cap set up that is that way. That's why the NFL draft is set up the way it is. Compensatory picks. It is set up for every team to be average, so then you can have as much parity as possible year in and year out. But the great organizations can overcome it. The Packers, the Patriots, like there's a reason why they have been good for so long. The Ravens, their ability to absolutely manipulate the process of compensatory picks and be able to turn those into great players. So the NFL is finally getting what it wants. And you have the Titans who beat seven playoff teams from last year and have lost to the Jets and Texans. Oh, it's going to be talked about in an article this week. I can assure you, Tyler. I can assure you. But, yes, very good. All right, let's talk about the the week that was in college football. I made fun of Devin for having to cover this game on uh, Friday's show because he had to cover number 19 San Diego State on the road at a very bad UNLV team. And uh they barely won. They They pulled... Well, an NFL and just decided that every game must be close. So, yeah, San Diego State barely escapes UNLV. Uh, I have no idea how. I thought San Diego State, while their offense is limited, didn't see uh, giving their, their really good defense, didn't see their, their defense giving up 20 points to UNLV. So I'm a little disappointed in San Diego State. Uh, do you have any takeaways on this one? I'm going to be honest, I wouldn't be disappointed in San Diego State because even though UNLV 
has not had the greatest track record as far as record. It's not like they're a bad football team. They're they're not Nebraska level, where Nebraska has lost, what, seven one-score games, which is a record for college football. But they have been relatively good. And I'm pulling it up right now because I want to be able to get this as right as possible. But UNLV has lost some really, really, really close games this year. And like they they obviously just lost to San Diego State by eight. Um, they lost to San Jose State by seven in a fantastic football game. They lost to Utah State by four, and they're a very good football team. Um, they lost to Fresno by eight. And I'm trying to figure out uh, who this one was. I don't. I don't know what A and T is. Um, a and T. Well, I, I have Arizona State, but that was a 27 point loss. No, it was. Oh, uh, UTSA. They lost to UTSA. Yeah, they lost to UTSA by seven. Okay. Perfect. Well, that, San Antonio. Okay. Yeah, and then yeah, they're seven and three against the spread on the season, which in itself is a good number because they just happen to be two and nine on the year. Yeah. Well, they, they just got a new coaching staff. Uh, yeah. They've, they've rotated quarterbacks because of injuries, and uh, they are a good football team. They are not great, but they take on Air Force this weekend, and Air Force in itself, like it's an eighteen point spread. I don't think it should quite be that high. Um, Air Force did cover by half a point against Nevada in a two-point victory in triple overtime. But, like, this Air Force team, they've only scored uh, more than 35 points two times, or sorry, three times on the season. And they've, they've had some low-scoring games. They only beat Navy. They only scored 23 against Navy. They only scored 24 against Wyoming, 24 against Boise State, uh, 14 against San Diego State. Like, we're and 14 against Army. We're not talking about a high-powered offense. No. So it's going to be a very interesting football game. Um, Hazik Daniels has done a really good job of navigating that offense uh, from the quarterback position. They have a couple of really good running backs. They had a receiver go for over 200 yards on the ground this past Friday night against Nevada, which was a fantastic football game. Um, UNLV is good, relatively good, but San Diego State has one of the best defenses in college football. And they showed it again against uh, UNLV. They showed it against Nevada a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's just a really good football team uh, that Brady Hoke has there. And if they can I get forgot a he was the head coach there. Damn. If they can get a quarterback, a good quarterback, like a Hank Bachmeyer level quarterback, that's yeah, that might a be the that first time he's been mentioned on this podcast in six weeks. That's that. That is a San Diego State team that could make a real run be it undefeated, and make some noise for a playoff, but they won't make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other game, ranked game from Friday, we had number 24, Houston, uh, beating Memphis 31-13. to Good game all around by Houston, but that's not the, the, the news from this game. It's the uh, head coach, and why am I drawing a blank on his name, Dana Holgerson, being connected to several several Big 12 and SEC jobs I've seen now. Well, absolutely. Dana Holgerson uh, was the uh, offensive coordinator for Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, has ties to Texas, which is why he ended up taking the Houston job and leaving Morgantown, West Virginia. 
It'll be really interesting to see what Holgerson wants to do. He has established ties in Houston, which is why the job was so attractive to him. And it's a low-pressure situation compared to where he was at West Virginia, where the expectations are not going to be nearly as high. You want In West Virginia, they need you to compete in the Big 12 every year. Houston, you play in the AAC. You're For still going to – you have – yeah. And they're going to go to the Big 12, but the Big 12 is basically going to be uh, – like the dad of the AAC, it's not going to be super exciting, <laughs> but it's going to give you some entertaining football. They have a chance to really make some noise in the new Big 12, especially because you have a recruiting base of freaking Texas. Uh, I don't necessarily think he's going to be able to find a better job this year. I don't year. think he should. Um, TCU seems to be uh, focusing on Sonny Dykes, which SMU has had probably the worst month and a half outside of scandal for a college football team in some time, missing out on the Big 12, losing three out of four, and getting absolutely embarrassed by Cincinnati this past weekend. Like, Texas Tech hired Joey McGuire, who they really wanted a guy who can recruit the state of Texas, and they got him. It's a very interesting decision, but we'll kind of see how it plays out. Hopefully they keep Sonny Cumbie so they can kind of have some kind of continuity in that locker room. But I don't see him being a candidate at LSU. I don't see him being a candidate at Florida. Um, you could maybe see him a candidate at Vanderbilt if that job opens up, which I, I, I don't think it would because they just, they just switched though. Yeah, they did, but it's also Vanderbilt and you never know, but I don't <laughs> see him being an, uh, being a guy that they would want to target. Florida's not going to target him. I don't see LSU wanting to target him and he's very comfortable and happy at Houston. I think I, it would I take, can see him just staying. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be a Matt Campbell situation where he's just going to want to stay put. Yeah. Uh, this next one we can really easily breeze through. If I, I would like to find anyone that thought that Charleston Southern had a chance against Georgia. Uh, cause they did not. Uh, 56 to seven. We did get a thick boy touchdown from Jordan Davis, which made it all worth it. Uh, other than that, there's pretty much nothing to talk about with this one. No, not at all. Um, I think. When you talk about uh, Charleston Southern, you what you want from Georgia is you want them to play dominant football. You want them to really take control of the football game and own it from start to finish. Uh, and they did just that. They really did. And uh, I was very intrigued by what the spread would be. And if you look at the consensus spread, they didn't cover. And Georgia has not exactly been phenomenal against the spread all season. Um Fordo is the betting guy for NBC Sports. I should get that out there now, which is why yeah. the uh, against the spread is coming up. Devin and I just kind of half half acidly throw out the spread every week, but yeah. Uh, well, the spread against Charleston Southern on a consensus level was uh, minus fifty two and a half. They only won by forty nine points, which is why well, you have to be you, well. You have to be really careful with those big spreads. Yeah. I I was pounding the table to take Missouri at minus forty. Because I'm like, there, there's no way. There's no way they're going to uh, put up, like, beat them by 40. And they, and they didn't. Uh, Georgia's 7-4 and four against the spread on the season. Like, it, it's a really good, really deep football team. George Pickens dressed, which I think is the biggest news of the day. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody got hurt for Georgia, which in a game like this is really, really key. I still worry about them being able to beat Alabama once or twice, considering what the playoff will bring. Mm-hmm. And 
a great offense. What is a great offense going to do against this Georgia defense? Because they haven't really faced one. They faced Tennessee, who has been incredibly inconsistent, and Tennessee made waves against that defense. Florida was starting Anthony Richardson, and you could tell the stage was just too much for him. But that Florida team put up 30 points against Alabama. They put up uh, 38 against, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Tennessee. They have a couple 50-pointers as well. So that's a good offensive football team. But their best offense was, like, Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina, like, Bo Nix. They're not facing juggernauts here. Bo Nix, so... They're not facing juggernauts. Alabama is going to be the interesting one. Um, they're currently a four-point favorite on that neutral field, which, let's be honest, it won't be a complete neutral field because it's in freaking Georgia. Uh, but I I'm, I worry about Georgia being able to have the offensive firepower and the defense stopping an elite-level offense. I'm glad you mentioned Alabama because ESPN lists all the games by ranking, so they were next on this. They beat Arkansas 42-35. to 35. Great game if you were a fan of high-powered offenses. Uh, Bryce Young, 559 yards. Uh, Jameson Williams, 190. Uh, I think Traylon Burks went over 150, if, I, if my memory serves me correctly. Like, there was not an ounce of defense played in this entire game, and I loved it. And it was beautiful, and I loved it. And that's one thing that really worries me about this Alabama team. They have Will Anderson, and they have some dudes on the defensive side of football. I mean, it's a team that Nick Saban coaches and recruits for. You know they're going to have dudes on that side of the ball. That's his bread and butter. But this defense has not exactly played incredibly well. I mentioned that they gave up 29 points to Florida. They gave up 14 points to Mercer. Uh, I'm not even sure what state that's in. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, I'm not 100% sure either. We going to find out. Um, but uh, Ole Miss 21, Texas A&M in a loss, 41, Tennessee 24. LSU, that putrid LSU team, they only beat 20 to 14. Uh, Arkansas, like, look, K.J. Jefferson was really good in that football game. Traylon Burks, and they had that awesome fake punt, which was a bad throw, was saved by the tight end. But I think we may see... More teams see this film and try to use that umpire as a pick play because that was used to perfection, and that's what sprung the tight end for that touchdown. But giving up 35 points to Arkansas at home, uh, you you know Saban's crushing those boys this week in practice. They have Auburn next week, T.J. Finley starting, who is inconsistent against South Carolina, uh, was very successful early, built a 14 to nothing lead in the first quarter, but then they weren't able to make, uh, really do anything offensively throughout the rest of the game. Uh, Tank Bigsby uh, put up 164, which is awesome, but Jason Brown just torched him. And I can Alabama stop anybody? And will it matter? What happens if Bryce Young struggles? What happens if they only run the ball for? Six yards, like they did against the LSU Tigers. When when you look at all those different things, can Alabama win a national title? Yes. Will they? I don't know, man. There's a lot, a lot left to be desired with this Alabama team, considering they're Alabama and what we've known them to be in the past. I can't put them on the pedestal of at least they're my national championship favorites at this point. 
I'm I'm going to get through these next couple of games pretty rapid fire because there are a lot of blowouts. And well, if we spend a lot of time on each game, you will run late for your uh, <laughs> for, <laughs> for your next obligation. So we found out that, like we all expected, that Oregon are frauds. Sorry to my family friend Jason, but Oregon are frauds. They lose 38 to 70 Utah on the road. We found out that Michigan State. Uh, shriveled up in the uh in the corner in the fetal position after about the first three and a half minutes as cj stroud went for 400 yards in the first half and ohio state wins 56 to 7 goodbye to michigan state anywhere near the top 15 uh cincinnati just curb stomped smu like you mentioned earlier 48 to 14 in a game in which a lot of us thought that smu was going to either keep it close at very least cover but might keep it within a score we had michigan just pounding uh maryland into a fine dust 59 to 18 and then notre dame uh blanked georgia 55 to nothing in a game that devin and i thought was probably going to be decided by 13 points there's a lot to uncover in everything i just put out there Absolutely. where would you and, like to go um i want to start with cincinnati smu because for nbc in our underdogs uh picks of the week i picked smu to cover and potentially win against Cincinnati because I thought how versatile that passing offense is. Tanner Mordecai, second in passing touchdowns in the nation, seventh in passing yards going into that football game. I really thought that they were going to be able to not have their way against Cincinnati, but I thought they were going to be very successful. And the defense was is upstart. It's been playing a lot better than what they were last year. Man, they stunk. It, it was brutal. And Tanner Mordecai, it's what, 67 yards passing on the game. And when you look at all oh. that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's gross. 67 Bro, yards passing. It was atrocious. And all the credit in the world to Cincinnati, who desperately needed to whip up on a team. And they did that against a good SMU team. I was talking about Tanner Mordecai being a dark horse for the Heisman in like week six because of the, the numbers he was putting up and how good he had looked consistently. Cincinnati came to play. Desmond Ritter had his best game as a college player. He was just lighting it up both through the air and on the ground. Like, I'm not a big Cincinnati guy. I am not a huge believer of them. But at the end of the day, they played good football. And they're, unless a 2007 scenario happens, which I'm outlining right now in my article to be released Thursday for about Notre Dame, they're going to be in the playoff, and we just got to accept it. They should be. Uh, this next one sets up perfectly for a great matchup that's happening this week. Uh, number nine, Oklahoma State. Shout out Texas Tech, 23 to nothing on the road. Uh, this was not a very exciting game, but this does set up bedlam between Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Winner is the last remaining chance of the Big 12 potentially making the playoff it's not going to happen but just throwing that out there this game was an absolute slog to sit through though uh spencer sanders barely over 50 percent completion percentage that's happened a lot this year uh the one bright spot though for oklahoma state was wide receiver tay martin the former uh washington state wide receiver that transferred in uh Interesting build. I think he's like 6'2 and like 175 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But he's also like 24 years old. So I'm not entirely sure what the league would think of him. This Oklahoma State defense, though, is, again, one of the best in the nation. I think that they're a very underrated defense. 
Uh, they've got Trace Ford that can get, to, you know, that can rush the passer. They've got an elite secondary, I think, give, uh, given the firepower they have to go up against, where they've got uh, Kobe Harvell Peel, brand guy uh, extraordinaire, and uh, Trace Sterling back there. It's just a solid team. Playoff worthy? Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Absolutely not. But a solid team. I disagree. I think they are playoff worthy, and we're going to, we're going to see how really playoff worthy they are. This weekend at Bedlam, Mike Gundy is two and fourteen against the Oklahoma Sooners oh, in his career. Wow. Yes, it is that bad, but at the end of the day, that is their hump. If you beat Oklahoma, I don't care what this Oklahoma team has looked like; they are still ten and one. If you beat Oklahoma this weekend, and with the amount of respect that they have been given in the college football playoff, right yeah, now they're at nine. They're going to move up to six or seven. You beat Oklahoma, then you go and avenge your loss against Baylor. Oklahoma yeah, State point. will make the college football playoff. Like this is a team that uh, Mike Gundy just wants to run the ball and yeet it with Spencer Sanders on the outside. Look, it can work. It has worked. They played some close games against some good teams. They beat. Uh, they probably should have lost to Boise State, but they beat them. Mm-hmm. And they have a few close ones where it it could have gone either way. But at the end of the day, you have to win your clunkers. Oklahoma State has won their clunkers. They probably should have beaten BYU. But BYU is a damn good football team, and they are going to be top 10 in the playoff rankings likely this upcoming Tuesday as well. And Oklahoma State, they're going to run it down your throat, and they are good at it. Like Against TCU, they ran for over 450 yards and eight touchdowns. If Spencer Sanders can be on point just a little bit more and be more efficient in the passing game, Oklahoma State can make the playoff. You make a solid point. I'm going to skip over the uh, the tenth ranked game because goodbye Wake Forest's chance of being anything. Uh, that was an absolute disappointment. I thought uh, Vegas was a little bit nuts for thinking that Clemson should be the favorite, but no, sure enough, Wake Forest are frauds. So I'm just going to skip over that one. Uh, Baylor on the road beats a pretty solid Kansas State team despite a very lackluster performance from their offense. Uh, 20 to 10, you mentioned Baylor, uh, you know, obviously has the win over Oklahoma State. But I just want to put the, get the elephant out of the room. Um, you know, when we were sitting here on Friday, Devin and myself, we talked about the fact that as we were going, you know, as we were wrapping up the podcast, Jalen Petrie uh, accepted his invite to the Senior Bowl. And I said that uh, Terrell Bernard and uh and Abram Smith should be uh you know getting theirs anytime uh in the coming days and within 7 minutes of Devin and I wrapping up recording both of them had accepted so it turns out that if you just if you're like me and you just spam once a week multiple times in that day that Abram Smith or whoever you want needs to go to the <laughs> senior bowl it will happen Cyberbullying sometimes works. Um, but no, uh, and then unfortunately, everyone that I mentioned had a really, like, clunker of a game. Abram Smith averaged about two and a half yards a carry. Kansas State's defense is good. They're gonna be really good going forward. Well, it's a Chris Klein and coach football team. Yep. Of course the defense is gonna be really good. The biggest disappointment for me in this game was Skylar Thompson. And it's, it was really tough to, at the end of the game, he hurt his leg and Again. he couldn't end up finishing the game. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, they didn't put in Howard. Uh, I I can't remember the kid's name who they put in, but they put him in his first throw as an interception, sealed the game. Look. Uh, Jaron Lewis. Yep, Jaron Lewis. 
Yeah, he, he threw a pick across the middle, really ill-advised pass. But, um, yeah, like, look, Jerry Bohannon, at the, it was like 50 seconds left in the first half, looked like he ripped his hamstring. Oh. Uh, it was not, it did not look good. Blake Shape in the back of the quarterback came in and played very efficient football. That All you was, need. And, and, you know, yeah, absolutely. It is exactly what you need from that Baylor team. They played really stout defense. The only thing they couldn't do was stop Deuce Vaughn because it's Deuce Vaughn. Darren Sproles 2.0. I'm, I'm yep. sorry. I know it's lazy school to school, but it's Darren Sproles 2.0. I'll be honest. It is lazy, but it, it also somewhat works. So I will give you half credit for it. Thank uh, you. But this Baylor team is good. They played Texas Tech this weekend. And Texas Tech uh, obviously just got embarrassed and barely topped 100 yards against Oklahoma State at home. Uh, Donovan uh, Smith really has a lot of tools, but if you can't hit that nine route in an air raid offense, you're going to struggle, and that's exactly what happened against Oklahoma State. So they take care of business. They will likely be in the Big 12 title game, but they need an Oklahoma State win in order to get there because Oklahoma State is already clinched. Mm-hmm. And uh, moving on to the next one, I, I, I'm disappointed in Ole Miss's defense for for allowing Vanderbilt to keep this one somewhat competitive. 31-17. to It's not like anyone actually watched this game. Um, but it was Matt Corral's last game, so it has that going for it. Is there anything else you would like to talk about with this one? Uh, we're in the midst of the quote week, which is the Egg Bowl. Mike Leach versus Lane Kiffin, baby. Oh, my God. I'm excited for this football game. Will Rogers has been absolutely tearing it up for Mississippi State. Coming back from a 28-3 to deficit against Auburn to beat them 43-34, and you have Matt Corral, who is a perennial Heisman candidate this season. It's going to be a very fun football game, plus Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach are going to be ridiculous on the sidelines, and I can't wait. Also, I mean, it's the Egg Bowl. It's the, it's the same game in which, you know, Elijah Moore famously fake urinated on the field. So, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, it's one of my favorite rivalries for no apparent reason. Uh, <laughs> That's why. Uh, yeah, that's probably why. You're right. Uh, Oklahoma beat Iowa State. Um, man, Brees Hall, yet again, his, he had like 55 yards. His young, his longest carry was 17. And outside of that, he averaged like 2.1 yards a carry. It was the Brees Hall special from him. Uh, he is Adrian Peterson without the massive upside. Because that's um, what Adrian, hold on, hold on. Oh, that's no, no, what no. Adrian Peterson's stat lines would look like. Two, one. Negative one, zero, two, negative four, five, three, 75, zero. That's an Adrian Peterson stat line. That's what you're seeing consistently from Brees Hall. You and I talk about it all the time. He mm-hmm. is a big boomer bus player, but he doesn't have this high upside trajectory like you see with a lot of those type of running backs. I'm very interested to see what happens when he gets outside of Iowa State because they really don't have any good draftable offensive linemen. Brock Purdy is like a can of tuna and... <laughs> Charlie Kolar is playing for Matt Nanetti. Um, I I I I want to credit uh, Jacob Keppen uh, at Inside the Draft on Twitter, uh, who actually compared Brees Hall to uh, Philadelphia Miles Sanders because Miles Sanders <laughs> has very similar stat lines every week of like three zero minus two minus two one three, and then his big carry for the game is eleven. Uh, that was this game. But, yeah, like, Oklahoma did what they were supposed to, a win against Oklahoma State, and it'll just be a bedlam rematch once again, uh, a loss, and it's Oklahoma State versus Baylor. So there's stuff to actually play for in the Big 12. 
Yes, there is. Uh, and the Big 12 is, if nothing else, entertaining. Hey, it's my conference. I have to speak highly of it. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't. That's not objective. <laughs> I enjoy it. I, ju- I mean, dude, I willingly watch, like, Kansas versus Texas Tech. Hey, Kansas is fun. <laughs> They're the bad type of fun. Yes. Uh, moving on, ba- uh, be- not Baylor, BYU beat down uh, uh, Georgia Southern 34-17. to are, are they? Our, I was going to say, our are they Cougars. our Cougars? They're no longer our, uh, what, what was the other? Uh, oh, our Chanticleers. Now we've moved on to, to BYU. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, it's Georgia Southern. The, is Clay, I haven't watched Georgia Southern, to be honest, since they fired their head coach. Is Clay Helton at the helm? I shouldn't say that out loud, given that uh, I am the Sun Belt scout, uh, <clears throat> but yeah. Now, here's the thing with the, the Georgia Southern opening. Clay Helton is going to take over, but he has not taken over yet. He's just the coach okay. and waiting for the rest of the year. It doesn't make sense to install a guy like that. Yeah, that's what I thought. In the sport of football, yeah. so they are waiting. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. I wasn't sure because I'm like, it's Georgia Southern. They could literally do it, and I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you. I, I, I have no interest in, in breaking down Wisconsin and Nebraska due to uh, the 2019 season breaking my brain from both of those schools. And right. I think it just gave me PTSD. I'll, I'll say this about Nebraska. They, <laughs> gosh, Nebraska's the best Three and eight team or four and seven team. I think I've ever three seen. Three and eight. They're three and eight. Yeah. All right. Nebraska has lost seven games by a by one score, and they lost by a nine to Ohio State. This is they a make good, no sense. This is a good team that lacks weapons that can't finish. The, in essence, that's still a bad football team. But <laughs> look, they're not Northwestern bad. They no. are competitive. They no. they hung in there all game with Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa. Like we're looking at a good football team, and hopefully Scott Frost can get some better recruits in there to help out Adrian Martinez, who let's be honest isn't necessarily great, but he's also playing hero ball. Uh, because Adrian of what that's done doing. at the end of this year, bro. No, he has one more season of eligibility left because of COVID nineteen. Oh shit, you're right. Yep, um, and he's actually going to miss the finale because of a foot injury that he sustained this past week. But n- we can't just laugh at Nebraska because they played some good football this season. I it it I'm just still shocked that Wisconsin's a top fifteen team in the country. I hate it. I hate it. Oh, I hate it too. <laughs> uh, Prairie View A and M didn't stand a chance against Texas A and M. They lost fifty two to three. Let's talk about the best game of the week, though, man. Your your guy Thor, his guy Tyler Goodson, and the Iowa Hawkeyes up against Illinois, thirty three to twenty three. That's the only thing I have to say about this game. Uh, Tyler Goodson, twenty seven carries, one hundred and thirty two yards. Uh, only watch Iowa for Tyler Lindenbaum and Tyler Goodson. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I will say, uh, man, I, I can't remember uh, his name, but the the backup quarterback they just started like Padilla. I think. Yeah, Padilla. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's been good. And if Iowa would have started him earlier in the season over uh, Spencer Petras, who, let's be honest, is a worse than a can of tuna. It's, it's like a rotten can of chicken. Uh, it, it's just he's just a bad football player. I'm sure he's a good person. He's a bad football player. And, well, I love having you on the podcast. Oh, I'm sure he's a good person because you know Minnesota and everything. But, but he 
he's a bad football player. Yeah. Um, it, it, I would be interested to see a, an alternate universe where you have uh, Padilla starting the entire season if Iowa's undefeated. I don't know what? if that's necessarily the case, but it's it, it, it's you're interesting about it. It makes We're, you think. You are thinking about it, and that's why it's really intriguing for me. Uh, we have four games left to go over. Uh, first one, we got Kenny Pickett versus a bad Virginia defense, and he wasn't the leading passer in this game. Granted, Brennan Armstrong always throws for 700 yards, so there is that. We need to talk about Brennan Armstrong as a possible actual QB prospect in 2023. Brennan Armstrong has a lot of tools, but I, I genuinely worry, and it really shouldn't be a concern, but it is, and I think it's subliminal for a lot of people, he's a lefty. That he does a lot as a lefty, as a lefty, I think it's despicable. But no, I and I don't think it should be a thing. But you, everything's done in reverse, and when you're doing that much mechanically, like I can see not wanting to coach a lefty in that perspective. But I also don't think it should be held against him. He makes wow throws. He's got a cannon. He's got guts. Uh, when he in, when he got hurt against I'm BYU, say he's gritty. Oh, you know what? He is, and I hate that. I, like, I get made fun of for using that word. He's got grit, man. The, like, yeah, that's he has like near Byron, Byron Leftwich level grit. Like, Byron Leftwich is like for me, he is the king of grit. Oh what yeah, he was able to do in that East Carolina game. Uh, but Armstrong is a really good, talented football player, and I think we're gonna people are gonna watch his tape at the end of the season, and they're gonna be like, whoa, we have something here. Uh, and then speaking of Kenny Pickett, uh, there were like 17 teams or something at this game because uh, the NFL has said that there are five quarterbacks they'd feel comfortable taking in round one. And I need to lie down after saying that because this quarterback class is uh, painful. Uh, but Kenny Pickett went 26 and 41, 340, four touchdowns, two picks. I mean, he didn't do anything to really wow because it's not a very good Virginia defense and throwing two picks is not not great. But he didn't do anything necessarily to hurt his stock. Kenny Pickett, to me, is a Mac Jones-level prospect. I think he's probably a little bit better than Mac Jones as a I prospect. I think so, too. But I also didn't like Mac Jones as a prospect. I, I thought there either. was a lot to be desired with Mac Jones. And he is in the perfect situation with the greatest head coach of all time. With all that said, I think that's why you're seeing a lot of success with him. But he's also limited because he's not pushing the ball down the field. You can blame Mac Jones. You can blame the offense. You can blame his bad receivers. But he has two like top-flight tight ends, and they use tight ends a lot in that offense. So I'm very intrigued to see where Mac Jones goes. But Kenny Pickett just – like somebody mentioned him to the Minnesota Vikings. I'm like, why? You have Kirk. If you're, if you're going to draft a quarterback, he better be an upgrade over Kirk Cousins. You're trying to improve the position. He would not, not be just get a new guy position. for this. Not just get a new guy for the sake of getting a new guy. Uh, That's what Philly does. Hey, Jalen Hurts has been improving. I'm very intrigued to see how that continues to progress. Because let's be honest, there's one good wide receiver in Philly, one average one, and the rest are Jalen Rager. <laughs> and I'm not trying to make fun of you, man, but it's it's just kind of the reality. They messed up big time with the Rager pick. They rectified it somewhat with Devonta Smith. And getting a first round pick in return for him, which Miami, what are you doing? Uh, that looks really, really bad now. Uh, you were, oh, yeah. you could have just had Devonta Smith and the first round pick, but I, I just, I don't see it with Kenny Pickett right now. I need to actually dive in and look more, but 
I don't, I don't get it. You mentioned Brennan Armstrong as a 2023 guy. I think another guy that a lot of people are going to be looking at for 2023 is NC State's Devin Leary. Uh, I, I mentioned this on last week's show. I, at the moment, have him as a top 100 player on my big board. That being said, I think he'd be better off going back for another year uh, out there in Raleigh. NC State won 41 to 17. Syracuse is not good. He was obviously going to win the quarterback battle between him and Dwight Schrute's brother that they have playing quarterback for Syracuse. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I had I had to get that one thrown in there. Hey, can uh, I just say something here real quick about that game? Go for it. Hats off to freshman running back for Syracuse, Sean. Tucker. Oh, oh. That, he, I'll be honest, I think he was the best player on the field in that entire game. Sean Tucker is a dude. Draft he carries 105 yards and a touchdown. What? Draft eligible next year. Yep, he is draft eligible next year, and he could be, he has a chance, and it sounds sacrilege, but he has a chance to be RB1 next year. B. John Robinson is in the class. This Sean Tucker kid is excellent. Phenomenal. He is incredibly explosive. He's got great vision in the open field, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield and pass protect. This guy is a five-tool prospect at the running back position. Uh, Bijan has all the hype. Sean Tucker, watch him. He mm-hmm. is incredible. The, the, we've mentioned it on this podcast before. The RB1 chase for 2023 is going to be something special. It's going to be like the wide receiver class from, like, the last – Two years. Um, we had, thank God, for Lefty King, uh, Frank Harris from UTSA. That that last second victory for our Roadrunners, 34-31 over UAB. And you know what? The Senior Bowl was there, and they're like, there are so many good players on this team. I tweeted out, I can't believe we live in a world where there are like six players at UTSA I'm excited about for this draft. Uh, let me tell you, my biggest thing about UTSA and UAB, UAB had fourth down and a half a yard at the UTSA, well, it was like 33-yard line? Something. It was. They were inside the 40. They let the clock expire and took a delay of game, and it cost them. I tweeted, they're going to regret not going for it. If you want Cowardice to win, always gets punished. If you want to win football games, you have to try to win them. And if you can't trust your team with Dwayne McBride, who's been a monster this season, to get a half a yard against UTSA, you're playing UTSA at the Alamo Dome. You're playing them on the road. You have to try and win that football game. It was an act of cowardice by UAB, and they paid for it with a loss. It's like playing for a tie. It's something that the Bengals and, and Eagles know very well. No, uh, yeah, you know what? Playing for a tie at in the NFL when it's that late makes some sense because it does have playoff implications because it counts as like half, like fifty uh, percent uh, when it comes to the win loss rankings. So if you were eight, seven, and one, you were above five hundred. And then to finish this off, this is a real dud of a game to finish it off on, but Mississippi State beat Tennessee State 55-10. to uh, I wonder if this was enough. I know Tennessee State head coach Eddie George is in contention for the Akron job. I don't know if this is the game that he's going to be putting front and center on his resume. And I don't think he should be necessarily judged by it, 
because they were paid to go in there and lose to Mississippi State. That no, nobody's going to look at that game and be like, no, you don't deserve a head coaching job no. because of this. And it's uh, accurate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's it would be really interesting is the ties that Eddie George has in Ohio. Mm-hmm. If he can really build up a good recruiting base, the Mac, you can get some good players there. They can turn that around and possibly in the next three or four years be an eight to 10 win football team in the Mac conference. Like, Eddie, Eddie George won a Heisman Trophy for Ohio State. It won't be hard for him to build up real relationships with high school head coaches. I don't think so either. Uh, as for Mississippi State, you mentioned it. Will Rogers has – you know what? They've improved a lot this year because they stopped having Will Rogers throw the ball 65 times in a game and only accumulate 213 passing yards like they were all of last year. I hate to give Mike Leach credit. You know I hate to give Mike Leach credit, but I will give Mike Leach credit for once. His games aren't an eyesore. Also, Charles Cross brand. The performance that Will Rogers had last week against Auburn was fantastic. I'm very excited to see what uh, the Air Raid does against uh, Lane Kiffin's spread because that's going to be a really, really fun matchup. Bet the over. Um, you know what? This is a fantastic question. I wonder what the over is. And we're going we going to find out. Um, I I would say the over is probably going to be set around 65. Oh, which, smash that over. Ah, dude, it's it's a rivalry game. Rivalry games are weird. We know this. Um, let's take. I know a look. My, my team won by thirty five points last week. Ah, oh, heck, Fresno State, San Jose State is now on Thanksgiving Day. Nice. Oh, oh crap! I just realized that Devin and I are going to be recording on Thanksgiving. Ah, that's <laughs> funny. All right. Um, the over under is actually at sixty one. Over. Smash the over. I wouldn't be surprised if both teams put up 40. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if both teams put up 20. I I would I would be staying away from that line personally. Um, it is essentially a pick Mississippi's a one-point favorite on the consensus board. Um, at And the money line is... The, what's really intriguing about this... Yeah, yeah, minus 104. Oh, sorry. Uh, it's Mississippi plus one. So Mississippi stays a one-point favorite at home. Minus 104 for Mississippi. Go all miss on the money line. It's very tempting. But that's a that's a topic for uh, for I guess Thanksgiving with Devin and myself. Uh, well, I'll have to think of some way to work around that likely. So I'm not stealing him on Thanksgiving. Uh, is there anything <laughs> you want to say before we get on out of here? Because I know you have another obligation you have to get to. Absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Forno. I am doing stuff with NBC, and we're really starting to ramp up our coverage on the rest of this college football season. I have an article um, that I write every week on Notre Dame coming up here, and that is going to be uh, really focused on a playoff push for the Fighting Irish and how this season could end up shaping like the end of the chaos of 2007 and get the Irish into the playoff. Um, and then we're going to be doing some really fun stuff with bowl games, uh, our article on each one, and then we're also going to have some videos to pair with it. So please keep an eye out for that. Um, this, this was fun, Mike. I appreciate yeah. you having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for coming in. 
Well, you can find me on Twitter at Mike H underscore draft. You can find Devin on Twitter at Real D underscore Jackson. Follow the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Follow our work at Blue Chip Scouting. Follow Blue Chip Scouting at Blue Chip Scout. Follow Devin's work over at RiseOfDraft.com. Follow Rise of Draft at R&D Scouting. And we will see you later this week. Thank our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the planet for whatever your needs are. With nine amazing flavors to choose from, all of which covered in 100% chocolate. Oh, by the way, guys, they have several monthly special offer bars as well, all of which have up to 19 grams of protein with only four grams of added sugar and four grams of net carbs. Built Bar has whatever you're looking for, whether you're looking for a delicious snack, a pre- or post-workout bar, or need to keep up with your macros, Built Bar is a top-of-the-first-round protein bar. See what I did there? Draft puns. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code BIGSHOTS for 10% off your next order. That's BIGSHOTS, all one word, 10% off your next order at BuiltBar.com.